Genesis chapter 4. We're going to start reading with verse 1. And I'm preaching this morning on this thought, Abel, a man of faith. Abel, a man of faith. Let's pray over the Word of God. Actually, let's stand this morning for the Word of God, but we're going to pray over it first and then we'll read it. Father, I thank you today for the great privilege and honor to come to break open the bread of life. And Lord, I know that you have something that you want to speak today. And maybe it's just specifically for one or two or three or four, but God, where they're living right now, but Lord, every one of us needs to hear this and let it be an encouragement to us because we're going to go through things and one day we're going to take our last breath. But Lord, we're going to arrive in, in your presence and I'm so thankful this morning, Lord, for this great promise that we have, Lord, of eternity with you, and everything will be worth it all when we see you, Lord. I pray that you touch me, that you anoint me, that you speak through me, that you surface what you want me to say. I am just a vessel, Lord, but I'm nothing without you flowing through me. I ask you to bring the anointing, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The Bible says in verse 1, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she, be, she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth or angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If you do well, you, uh, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well... Sin lies at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And we know in verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And uh, you can be seated this morning. I'm going to preach here for just a little bit here on Abel, a man of faith. A man of faith. Not only did Abel have faith in God, but he... He was a depiction of 1 Corinthians 13 when it says love believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things, but believes and hopes all things. Abel would have never went into the field with his brother if he knew he was going to murder him. He never thought anything else but saw God only because the pure in heart see God. Amen. I know God gives us discernment to discern things, but I can tell you, you know, every one of us has enough sin on us to send us to hell. But for the grace of, and mercy of God and the blood of Jesus, we wouldn't be here today. But thank God, you know, for that great sacrifice. But I want to preach here for a little bit. Abel, a man of faith. And you know, so often Abel is used as a supporting part played in the drama of Cain, uh, Cain's disobedience and his rebellion. But today... I can tell you, Abel is going to be the star because he's the role model of faith or of the faith to emulate or imitate. 
you know, we, we always see so much attention that's given unto Cain. I don't care who you hear preach, everybody always focuses. It seems like on the sin of Cain and, and the response of God and everything that happened because, you know, Abel's, Abel dies and you don't really hear, uh, you know, well, you do hear more about him throughout the word of God. But uh, it just seems like that most times when people present this particular message or this scripture that they focus on Cain. And God said, I want you to focus on Abel to, today. I want you to focus on him today because we give a lot of attention oftentimes to the negative rather than to the positive. And I want you to know that God is in heaven looking down upon his people and he's saying, have you considered my people? Amen. Have you considered David as a heart after my own heart? Have you considered uh, my servant Job? Have you considered, amen, have you thought about this? Have you considered that that uh, Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus is praying have you considered that there, there's something that's changing in his life? So we give, we give a lot of attention for the most part to the unfaithful and the derelict in their duty and forget to honor the faithful character. But God hasn't forgotten. He remembered Abel. Amen. And he's not, you know, he is not unfaithful to remember, you know, or forget what you have done serving him. I know we're here to elevate God and to glorify Him, but one day He is going to separate the sheep from the goats. One day He's going to talk about the things that we have done in obedience unto Him. And you know, I can tell you that people think they need to scramble now that we're coming to the end of all things and the coming of the Lord is nigh and at the door. But what God begins to esteem is what you've done all along. What kind of person have you been all along? What have you done in service all along? You know, he said when I was in prison, you visited me. Whenever I was in the hospital, you visited me. When I was sick and naked, or whenever I was uh, naked and, and hungry, you clothed me, you fed me. You did this. It was what you did. I can tell you, we're called right now to put our hands to the plow and do something for the kingdom of God. Do something for God and make an impact and furthering the gospel. That is what we're called to do. And one day everything that we did is going to be presented there. I promise you the word of God says it. But a lot of times we forget you know to focus upon these things but God always remembers. Amen. There's a book of remembrance that's written for those that talked about him talked about him spoke about him what you've done is recognized we know from the scripture in God's eyes so see concerning man in the Bible we see a history of two types of people the children of God and the children of the wicked one the saved the unsaved the justified the condemned the righteous the unrighteous Cain and Abel Cain a man was a man of unbelief and Abel was the man of faith David wasn't even esteemed or considered by his own father in the book of Samuel until uh, Samuel said, do you have any other sons? Well, we went through all of them so far, but now we've got one more. He's out in the field, but he's just a little shepherd kid. He said, bring him in here. Jesse didn't even consider him, but God considered him. God knew who he was. The Lord said, that's the man, Samuel. Dump that oil on his head. Let it run down that face, his beard, all the way down to those skirts. He was anointed from that day forward. What man did 
not see and esteem, God sees. What's done in secret, he said, will be rewarded openly. What's prayed in secret will be seen and rewarded openly. Who you are, amen, will shine, will come forth because it's Christ in you and I, amen. It's Christ in us that is of value and of importance. But, but Abel was a man of faith. Abel was a man of faith. Faith in God indicates man's attitude towards God. Do you got an attitude of faith? Amen. But the three C's, it sums up the life of faith. Confidence in God. Consecration to God. In other words, separation. And then communion with God. Do you have confidence in God today? Are you a consecrated individual? You say, I want to be faithfully set apart. You know, God calls us to consecration. And then we must set apart ourselves unto be consecrated unto the Lord. And then we must have that communion with Him. God wants communion with us. Abel is the pattern that we're talking about today. Amen. You know, maybe sometimes, or more often than not, we should talk about who we're supposed to be instead of preaching what we're not. You know, whenever they try to show you some diet pill or some kind of a exercise routine or they're trying to sell something fitness wise they don't put the fat guy up there they always put the person that's in good shape and you're like I want to be that you know come on now talk about positive reinforcement here positive motivation we need to be people of faith come on now Abel is that pattern. He was a man of faith who acted according to God's word. What does the Bible say about acting according to God's word? In Isaiah 66, this is a beautiful scripture, but in Isaiah 66, turn there with me because I got several places of scripture we're going to read this morning as the Lord permits us. But in Isaiah 66, it says this, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you built unto me and where is the place of my rest? God's looking for a place in you, amen? A place of habitation. And he said, For all those things I know, church, in context, perhaps he's talking about Jerusalem and all of that, but just work with me here, amen? Just flow with me. He said, for all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been said the Lord, have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. God is looking for the personality or the attitude or the, the faith, the kind of personage of faith that will act according to God's word. And he says, to this man will I look, to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, a broken spirit, and trembles at my word. Do you tremble at his word this morning, church? I can tell you, I want to tremble at his word. If there's one thing that needs to return to the church, it's a healthy dose of the fear of God. 
The reason people have no problem doing the things that they do is because they don't have a fear of God. And every one of us needs to be to have that shored up in our life. That needs to be something that's imparted in our spirit. And we get that from reading the Word of God. The problem is a lot of people only read the blessings and the and the and the, the beautiful things about the blessings of God upon our life. And that's all right. But I can tell you, there's a whole lot more that talks to you and I about how that we need to fear and tremble before the Lord. That's where we're at. People have no fear of God. Their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. This was Abel. He trembled at God's word. That's beautiful. The Bible talks about him in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. And this is what it says. Hebrews 11, 4 states, I love this hall of faith. But he said, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. He said, Abel offered an excellent sacrifice more than Cain, by which he obtained a witness, a witness down deep within himself, and a witness from God that he was righteous. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God thinks. It doesn't matter if you're trying to impress the pastor. It matters what God thinks and if he's impressed. Amen? That's what matters. Hallelujah. One day we're going to stand before him, not me, not a panel of your peers. So it doesn't matter what they think when you go to put on something to wear to church and you say, how do I look? What does God think about how you look? Ladies, amen. God wants you covered. And I'm just going to say it. You don't have to come in here wearing a curtain. But just cover up what God gave you. Well, I want to show people. Don't show anybody. Only one that should see that is your husband, not your boyfriend, not the man you're not married to. All the ladies were clapping. <laughs> hey, I see everything. Amen. But he said here, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead he yet speaks. Isn't it awesome to have a testimony even whenever you're no longer alive. Amen. There's people that impacted my life, the Christ through them, not them, but the Christ through them. So in essence, them, that today I stand here and what they were still testifies in my heart and in my life. Even though they're gone, the Christ in them. So this was Abel's uh, you know, testimony. He trembled at God's word. He had an excellent sacrifice that God accepted that had a testimony behind it. He had a faith. Cain had presumption. Abel had faith. We cannot presume. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you what that means. In Psalms 19, verse 13, this is what it says. David began to speak, and he said here in the Scriptures, he said, Keep 
back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Presumption always acts upon its own presumed authority. People want to come and they want to make their own set of rules and religion. I know what they teach over there at the church, but I don't believe it like that. I said, then rip it out of the Bible. Don't rip it out of the Bible. I'm being facetious when I say that. But what I'm saying is that people take things and they, they rip it out of the Bible. They say, I'm not going to obey that. If it's there, it's there. Praise God. But there's a presumptuousness in us that says, I'm God, and what I present, what I believe, what I do, my set of rules, my belief system, it trumps God's, or it, 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 it circumvents God. No, it doesn't. You may think that in your mind, or you may have come up with that place, or that, that thought and that belief system, but I assure you this, presumptuousness, especially presumptuous sins, God does not look upon them with favor. He looks at you and I, and, he, and David said, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins, or even a presumptuous thinking. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. There is a great transgression, and it is a reprobate mind. Let me tell you, if you continue in the things that you continue to keep doing, you will have your conscience seared. And you'll no longer believe that it's wrong anymore. Or you will absolutely turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, a license to sin. It's okay. I know God's a God of grace. I know His grace is deep. I know that it's broad. I know His love. I understand His forgiveness. But you and I need to be very careful that we do not make excuses because of sin. Come on now. He saved us out of a life of sin. Live a life of holiness. We all have things at times that we struggle with. That's why he said, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. Many of us need to get in the altar and say, God, what must I do to deal with the besetting sin, the sin that I've dealt with for 30 years? It has to be repented of and it has to be dealt with. God wants that. That's what grace does in your life. It's not just the forgiveness. It gives you the power to overcome it. It's God working in you to will and do of His good pleasure. But presumptuousness always acts upon its own authority. The Egyptians, I'm going to give you an example. The Israelites went over across the Red Sea on dry land. And they got to the other side. Their faith, their connection with God blew a hole through that Red Sea, and they came over on dry land. The Egyptians thought, well, we can do that too. Well, I can tell you, you have to have your own relationship with God.
And you gained your own victories in God. Amen. Yeah, there's people that can pray for you. But the Egyptians thought, we can do what they're doing. And so they started across that Red Sea and it enclosed in upon them. Everybody in this building needs to hear me today. One day you, your faith, your relationship with God will be presented before God. What did you have? What did you do? Who did you serve? You can't ride on grandma and grandpa's coattail. You can't ride on mama's faith. Come on. Some people say, well, you know, my dad served God. My grandma served God. They were prayer warriors. And I said, why are you living like an infidel then? You're not going to get to heaven riding on their coattail. God will send you back. A lot of people, they have faith in other people's faith. You need to have your own. Come on now. You know, I'm telling you the truth. That's presumptuousness. The seven sons of Sceva presumed that the same power that Paul and Jesus had, they had. But it didn't work. Because they came up to that, that devil-possessed man. And they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the devil went, ah, what? Wait, wait. He said, hold on here. Seven sons. He said, Jesus, I know. Oh, we know him. I promise you that. And Paul, we've had a few scraps with him too. But who are you? The Bible says them seven sons of, them seven sons of Sceva got whooped, stripped naked, and run out of town by a demon-possessed person. Amen. Come on. You don't, you don't go up and deal with the devil unless you have the goods. We had a man one time in church, we had a devil-possessed person we were dealing with, and he was in the back, and after about 20 or 30 minutes, we were dealing with him, you know, and he said, I'm going to go up there and knock him out. And an elderly man said, sir, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, you better just sit here in your seat. He said, it just, it just don't go up there and meddle with that. You don't know nothing about. He said, that devil's liable to slap you and run you out the door. You may think you're a fighter, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're no match to him, except Jesus dwells within you. So just sit down. Amen. Just sit down. This is a spiritual warfare. This is not a carnal warfare. Amen. This is a spiritual warfare. But presumptuousness always acts upon its own authority. You know, uh, uh, the, the psalmist in chapter 50, he said, You thought I was altogether like you, but I'm not. We must have God's thoughts. We must have God's ways. We must come with that faith that says this is the offering God expects of me. Abel brought a blood sacrifice. Cain brought a grain or fruit sacrifice from the earth. But we know that there is no, 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 no redemption, no atonement, no sacrifice that is accepted except a blood sacrifice. All of those lambs and goats and sheep and turtles doves were all pointing to a day when the great lamb of God would hang on the cross and shed his blood if I can get anything through your mind and your spirit to know today and in your knower is that the blood of Jesus is a great and powerful thing it will go to the highest mountain and to the lowest valley that blood amen will wash away your sin and it will make the devils tremble do you understand they overcame him who the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony there is a power in the blood of Jesus 
Presumption isn't in faith. Rather, it's resting on your own understanding and authority. Years ago, Brother Talbert shared a story. He said, I was in the evangelistic field, and he has been for many years in the mission field. And he said, he said, people started sending in tithes and offerings, you know. And he said, we had a, 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 an account. We had a ministry. And he said, and so people were given to that. And he said, we just began to pay our tithe to ourselves." Now you say, well, but there's people that do that in here. And I'm not talking about me. He said, we begin to say, well, when we get our check, we'll just pay our tithe and pay it to ourselves." And he said, guess what that did for us? He said, we went broke. We went bankrupt. Because let me tell you something about tithe and offering. It's always paid up. Always. Amen. It goes out and up. And you are responsible to be faithful in your tithes. It is a commandment of the Lord. And people will come and every YouTube person will tell you that was under the law. They don't know what they're talking about. I've been through that Bible from cover to cover. Believe me, not because I didn't want to pay my tithe, but because I've studied it. I've studied it copiously. I promise you, before, before Moses was even born, before he was even, you know, the deliverer of Israel, and God gave him the Mosaic law in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy and in Numbers, before we read anything about Moses, Abraham paid tithes unto Melchizedek. Not only did he do that, but Jacob, the Bible says, gave a tenth of everything that he had. So the, the law of sowing and reaping did not stop in the New Testament. Amen. In fact grace causes you to give more. And I'm not here to get your money. I'm here to tell you today that anybody that will lie to you and tell you you don't have to be faithful in your tithes and offerings wants you to be broke and wants you to not have the blessing and favor of God upon your life. Go ahead if you want to but let me tell you I've come too far in 32 years of serving God and being faithful in my tithes and offerings and watching God move miraculously he is a God of his word and he requires us to be faithful to his word people say why is everybody around me seem to be getting blessed well what is your giving record that's between you and God I don't go in there and thumb through the offering bucket to see who gives I don't know who gives and who doesn't. I mean, I know some things, but I, for the most part, I don't go through there and, and, and go through and make a record. Because God said, stay away from that. Then you can preach and you're not worried about what you say. Some of you are putting your head down. Amen. Lift it up. There's a remedy. You don't have to be bankrupt. You can be blessed. Amen. And they'll say, all that church wants is your money. First of all, let's just clarify one thing right here. I rarely, rarely, rarely ever mention about money. It's very seldom. Why I'm doing it today has to be the cloud telling me to follow that direction. But I will tell you this. I certainly care more about your soul 
and your obedience and your growth and maturity and your blessing. I want you to be blessed. And I know from experience, amen, the blessing of God. I know that. There have been times I've been faithful in my giving and God from outside of the church sent finances to me from somebody. And I thought, man, Lord, he said, I will bless you. You cannot outgive me. So don't hold on to it, stingy gut. Give it to God. And your tithe is the increase that you receive 10% of that. Amen. That t- I'm going to tell you right now, that 10% does not go to missions. It does not go to the building fund. It does not go to the evangelist. It comes into the storehouse. That's your first offering that belongs in the house of God. Well, pastor, I think you have enough. You don't know what I have. It doesn't matter. Amen. It belongs to God. And when you release it from your hand, God says, I'm going to take that and bless you. But I promise you, my wife and I and our board, we have a stewardship uh, you know, uh, we, we want to be good stewards and we want to fall in line with the word of God. And we could not be horrible stewards and maintain this ministry. Amen. I promise you, it's a miracle. We could not be the stewards that God's called us to be and maintain this ministry. Because if I told you how much, well, I'll tell you, amen, it's almost $10,000 a month for us to be in this, these buildings. Somebody went, Look at God. I'm not sweating. I'm not pacing. I'm not turning gray. I'm just serving God. Amen. I'm just serving God. He said, if it's my will, it's my bill. I will take care of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. And and I I just want to say this as I move on, and I'm moving on. But there's going to come a moment in time when you're going to need to pray the prayer, Lord, I need you to meet my need. And in that prayer, you're either going to say, forgive me, I've been unfaithful. Or you're going to be able to say with confidence, like Hezekiah, I have been faithful, God. And he's going to say, watch the windows of heaven open up. Amen. Watch the windows of heaven open up. So you want to have that faith that when the moment comes and you need it, God's going to begin to move in your life. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Concerning forgiveness and peace or assurance in it, we must wait for God's verdict of peace. We don't want to be presumptuous concerning His, his operation of, of imparting peace. What are you saying, Pastor? Don't presume, presume that... that until God tells you to get up from that altar, don't get up. Stay there till the Lord's done with you. Until He gives you the verdict of peace. You know, don't presume that. Let God give it by the way of His Spirit. There's too many people that are coming down and saying things to people whenever they need to let God speak to them. 
They need to let God speak to them. Amen. Let God talk to you. When God says there's peace in your heart, He'll give you that. You don't have to have somebody give you a word for that. You can have that on your own, and He'll give that to you. I've been there where I didn't have the peace, and God said, stay there. You've not repented of everything that you need to repent of. You're holding on to some things, so you better stay there until we do a thorough job of repentance. That's the reason people don't have a peace, but they have somebody come over to them and tell them, get up. You're all right. You just have to accept it yeah we do have to accept it and believe it in faith but we also have the promise of his peace upon our life and it's complete only Jesus can justify Jesus said to him go and sin no more he gave them that word your faith has made you whole according to your faith go wash in that pool take up thy bed and walk. God will give you a peace. And you need to hear it from him. And I'm not saying that God doesn't use people. I'm just simply saying this. It's like the old guitar. I mean, sorry, the old country music singer back in the 50s. She was down there in that altar. And she's at an old Pentecostal meeting. And she's praying. And she's seeking the Lord. And she's laying there in prayer. She lifted up her head. And she looked at the pastor's wife who was praying for her. And she said, does this mean that I can't sing them old country music songs anymore? And she said, honey, get back down there in that altar. Amen. Let God begin to do a thorough job. Well, she got right with God. She left that old life. She began to sing for the Lord. Amen. God doesn't want you singing honky-tonk. He wants you singing holy, holy. Amen. He wants you glorifying God. He doesn't want you doing that stuff. Come on now. I know, you know, sometimes we are in situations and all of that, but let me just say to you that we are called to be consecrated and that faith, amen, will come in your life and you have to die to those things and God will give you a peace. He'll say, I accept that offering. I, take, I have regard for that offering. I have respect for that offering. Only Jesus can justify. Only Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that's why I say it in that altar until God tells you to get up, don't get up. Amen. We need to be down there to be a support and prayer for people to lead them to Christ. But we cannot be the one that does the work for them. Let God do that work in them and let their faith bring them to that place that God gives them. Nobody told me I was saved. I knew it in my heart. Amen. I knew it in my heart. I was accepted in the beloved, as it says in Ephesians 1, 6. Now Abel's, Abel's offering was accepted in Genesis 4, 4. God had respect, meaning he had regard for his offering. And a special notice was taken and looked upon with delight from God. Here's what he said in the word. Let me go back there to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 4. He said, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock. He gave God his first. He gave God his best. He gave God his fattest. What's your fattest? No, I'm not talking about your weight. Your fattest is when you have that offering. You give God the very best. You don't say, well, and I, I, I've made the mistake of this too. 
just because of being forgetful, but God calls us to be mindful. Okay? And we need to give our very best. He, that's why I told him in Malachi, don't give that lame, blind little lamb. Don't give that lamb that walks like this when you got a perfect one over there in the corner. Don't we do that? One time the kids came in. I used to collect Hot Wheels. I, I got delivered. Amen. But I collected Hot Wheels. I had all kinds of Monte Carlos. I love Monte Carlos. Always have. I love Jesus, but I like Monte Carlos. Have my whole life. Amen. And so just always loved them, you know. And, 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 and then I come to California, and there's a lot of them. Amen. But I know. I need to get serious. But I had all these little Hot Wheels. One of them little kids come in one time. I said, they were looking at them Hot Wheels. I said, you can have any, any one of them that you want. Just, just take it, you know. And they grabbed the one. And I said, well, everyone but that one. Amen. Then I thought, you know what? I don't want to give my very best. And the Lord said, this is a $2 Hot Wheel. Yeah. But we must give God our best. The fatling of our flock, the very choicest, the best. Amen. Amen. Don't give somebody something old and worn out. Give them something good. Amen. Give them something that's a blessing. Come on. Uh, Brother Carlos, one time I asked him, you know, we were walking out to the, to the, um, to the, the van to get into the, the van to, to leave or actually to, uh, to go to the airport. We were in the parking lot. And I asked him, I said, what is it that you need? Wrong thing to ask Carlos. He looked at me and he kind of tilted his head like he always does. And he says, we need a guitarra. And the Lord said, well, you've only got one there with you. You're the dum-dum that brought the best one you had. And I thought, Lord, this is the one that he said, give it up. I said, Carlos, here. They're still playing that guitar. And let me tell you this. I can't even count how many God's given me. You will never outgive God when you give your best. Oh, I'm moving on. This wasn't even supposed to be about this. I'm going in a different direction here. But listen, God's talking to us today. He's talking to us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Abel's offering was accepted. God had respect. God had delight in it. God said, this is my beloved son when Jesus was down there in the River Jordan. In Hebrews 10, it tells us that Jesus was, and the blood that he shed and the sacrifice that he gave was accepted once and for all. And I'm not going there to read all of that today, but you can read it on your own time in Hebrews chapter 10. But he talks about how that it was accepted and Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's a place of authority. Authority. And that authority is there in Christ. And we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Approval and favor of God only comes from being in Christ. Amen. And uh, Ephesians 1, 3, this is something that I really want to share with you. I'm not 
uh, trying to go on a bunny trail here, but I've got a little bit more I want to say to you this morning. But I was reading this week in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and God really showed me some things. Ephesians 1, turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 1, and the Bible says in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Heavenly places in Christ. And then over in verse 19 he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Did you hear that? Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And then he says over in verse 4 of chapter 2, But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's something about that heavenly place. When you come and you are in Christ, you are in a heavenly place. And this week, God showed me, He said there were people in fasting and prayer that came into a heavenly place. He said they were placed in a heavenly place. I touched them, I renewed them, I revived them, I refreshed them them and I brought them into a heavenly place because they're in me. Some of them haven't been living where they should have been living but that fasting and prayer brought them into that heavenly place which is far above all principality and power and strongholds and God said for me to tell you today if he did something in your life and he brought you to a higher place, don't go back down to that place where you were before because that heavenly place has brought you to a plane and an existence in God and he puts you there because of the things that you're going to experience but he said I will bring you higher than them that no matter what you go through it will not phase you even though you're going through it you'll have that heart like Job though he slay me I'll trust him I'm going to trust him. Amen. I'm not going to allow the things that I'm going through to affect my faith. God wants us to come with such a heart. I know Abel was murdered, but I also know this much. Amen. There's a reason he was murdered. It was because of his example, his faith, his testimony that he had. Let me share something with you. God wants us to be in that heavenly place because the attack will come. When you get serious about God and you're on fire, that old devil stirs up that attack. You know it. Amen. Some people say the devil's been on my back, and I'm like, no, it's just your consequence of your disobedience. But then there are people that have been serving God. They've been doing a work for God. They're out there and they're advancing the kingdom of God. And the devil says, we got to do something about this. Amen. There's something about that heavenly place. And that man of faith is envied by others. 
That's exactly what happened. O'Kane hated him. He hated what he was. Caused him to come and take his life. The man of faith is envied by others, mainly the devil. What Cain would not do, he was driven to kill someone that did do. I, I don't understand what you're saying, Pastor. What Cain would not do, he was driven to kill someone that would do it. I'm reminded of the sleeping dog, sheepdog, who couldn't eat the hay, but he stood guard barking over the barn to make sure the cow didn't. Let me say that again. I said, I'm reminded of the sheepdog that couldn't eat the hay, but he stood guard over the barn to make barking to make sure the cow didn't eat it. That's why you see attack in the church from people in the church. Amen. Come on now. <laughs> Think about it. Jealousy and envy are the manifestation that it operates with an attack. Saul attacked David. And think about if he would have just allied him. And let me tell you, I understand jealousy and envy. Amen. In ministry for almost 30 years now, 31 years, you, you, God uses you and he'll anoint you and, and bless and and then somebody comes along and they're equal to you or greater. Amen. Brother Talbert one time said to me of a church he was going to, he said, you know, he said, that pastor always makes sure that he keeps everybody under him beneath his level. I'm going to tell you right now. And, I, and, and I, may, I, I may be tried on this, and you know what? I'm going to have to pray it through then. Aunt Maida used to say, don't say things. It'll come back. I said, I know, but I want to tell you something. What kind of a person would I be that would not want you as ministers in this church or teachers or preachers to be greater than I am? That is a testimony of my life teaching you. Amen. So what you do for God, take the anointing and run with it. Amen. Take it and run with it. God may have given Saul a thousand. He gave David ten thousand. He used him. And Saul eyed him from that moment. The man that was such a blessing to him, he eyed him. Church, let us. Be humble enough that we can go over and say, I must decrease. So Christ and somebody else can increase. I must decrease so they can increase. Or that Christ can increase in them. Amen. Let us be that kind of a personality that says, I'm here to further the kingdom. I'm not here to pad myself. 
in my own dynasty, in my own, you know, come on now, amen. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I just believe that we're coming into times of transition and God has to prepare us all for an, a generation that's coming up to step into those places and be used greatly. Amen. Amen. You know, but Abel was a man of faith that was envied. Faith comes, and in your life it brings about a righteousness, and that righteousness will begin to convict and condemn the people around you that are not where they need to be. We're not supposed to compare ourselves with anybody, but I can assure you this. God, without them saying a word, will begin to convict us and deal with us about the errors or the, or the deficit, spiritual deficit in our lives. And, and in 1 John 3.11, this is what it says in the Word of God. For this is the message that you heard. Am I in 3.11 here? Yes. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. We need to be people of righteousness, and we need to not, we need to allow God to convict us. You know, there have been times I've come in, and I thought, you know, I really don't feel like praying, and don't act like you ain't never felt that way. But you come in here, and you hear some of these young ones in here crying out to God. That is a subtle rebuke to me. Get in that altar and pray. Amen. Amen. Get in that altar and pray. Even, even uh, Hannah. She had more faith and she had more discernment and she had more a desire than Eli had. He couldn't even discern that she wasn't drunk. She's in bitterness of soul. You know, and so God said, he said, those things that we see, it's a subtle rebuke to us and it speaks to us and it talks to us and it deals with us. How I have been subtly rebuked watching young believers burn on fire for Jesus. How confronting it is. That's exactly what happened with Cain. He saw that. But rather than say, you know what, I want to bring an offering that God will accept, which is what we should do. He got mad and he said, I'm going to put him out. I'm going to make sure that I take my competition out of the way. We're not in competition. We're to live for God. This is a body ministry. And I believe that I can preach this today because I don't see it and I don't believe that it's an operation in here. But we must all understand something. Everywhere we're at, as spiritual people, we're not in competition with anybody. We're a body. Amen. We're a body. We're a body. Some people will do things that we can't do. Some people God will use heavily in prayer and authority. And we can pray, but they have a special call to do that. They're people that are used mightily. Some people can sing and with an anointing God uses them or preach or teach. Some people can serve. Some people have a great ministry of helps. They'll do whatever. I don't know who did it. Don't tell me because I don't want to know. I want God to bless you and give 
give you the reward. But for weeks, that toilet was leaking in the back in that bathroom. And I thought, Lord, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to caulk that thing so it'll quit leaking. But I went in there the other day and somebody already took the initiative and got in their mind, I'm going to fix this so pastor doesn't have to. I'm going to do it so the man of God can go and pray and seek my face. And I looked at that and I mean I almost shouted standing there by the toilet. That's something so simple as somebody just fixing a little leak. They got the mind of God. I thought, Lord, hallelujah. So whoever you are, you got a blessing in heaven, a reward in heaven. Thank the Lord. Don't tell nobody. God will take it. Amen. Or you'll get your reward here. Just let God bless you. But the New Testament, we read, and I just love seeing young people burn for Jesus Christ. And it's confronting. It deals with us. But I'm so grateful. Amen. The New Testament persecution came. Just getting ready to close here. Because of men who refused to repent. And they began to respond to somebody that was on fire for God. I've watched even ministries where there was somebody really doing something for God. And the church came in and they shut it down. Why? Because they said, you know, that group's getting a little bit out of hand. I said, you know, Pharaoh said that. Let me share something with you. You ain't never going to stop God. what God's doing in somebody's life. If you don't embrace that and say, you know what, let's just have revival. That, that group, that, that person or whatever that you try to stifle, whether it's your son, your daughter, somebody in the church, whatever, they'll go and they'll do something else. God will move them. If you don't embrace them and use them, he'll move them. Amen. You hear me loudly and clearly. I'm telling you right now. That's why I want God to use people. I don't even know why I'm saying all this, but God is leading me to say this. But the persecution came in the New Testament, and what they thought was going to stop and stifle what God was doing in the book of Acts after the day of Pentecost began to scatter, and it spread. Men of God, men of faith, like Abel, are notated not only in the Old Testament, but you know you're somebody when you carried over into the new. Either bad or good. Abel was good. Balaam was bad. I want to be like Abel. He was, he was written and recorded. Matthew 23, 35, Luke eleven fifty one, Hebrews eleven four, 4, uh, Hebrews 12, 24, 1 John 3, 12. No one can touch the man of faith without God making special note of it. Believers are his special, peculiar treasure. They are the apple of his eye, and Abel was recorded or memorialized as such. And so was Stephen. And I just want to tell you this. Live for God, because we're going to go through things, and because of our faith, we're going to experience things. Listen to me. You're going to experience things. You're going to go through things. You're going to go through, uh, you know, persecution that's going to come. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
And, but we know that Stephen preached, and he went from a person who was just making sure all the widows had their lunch prepared for them and washing tables full of the Holy Ghost. He stood up one day, and he began to preach, and they gnashed on him with their teeth, and they stoned him. But the Bible says that the, the heavens opened up and he saw Christ not seated, but standing. I always love it whenever a, a man of God goes up to preach. And if he's really got honor, people will stand up. Brother Clendenin used to walk up to the platform. People stand up and they're just clapping. They're honoring him. Okay? Ooh. Stephen was stoned. He was murdered by religious people that refused to hear the truth. And what happened is, he said, Father, this kind of person he was, lay this not to their charge. Just like Jesus did. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And the Bible says that the heavens opened up, his face shone like an angel, and Jesus stood up. What he was saying is, come on home. They may have stoned you and left you. They may have come against you and persecuted the very thing that could be the greatest blessing to them, but they rejected it. But he said, I want you to know that it's your time to come home. God could have kept him. I can tell you there is a love and there is a heart. There is an honor and a favor and a desire and an esteem, respect, however you want to say it, regard for that person that walks in faith no matter what they go through. They stand faithful. And God, Jesus stands up the right hand of the Father. When he's seated in a place of authority, he stands up and embraces in a, in a, in a way of honor. Amen. Church, one day, everything that we've lived for, it'll be worth it all. You've been through things in your life? I can tell you, we're going to see him one day face to face. Amen. We're going to see him face to face.